You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, guys. Well, good morning. Good being with you. And uh, I am wearing green today to honor just the opportunity to wear green. That's it. Uh, So, hey, I wanted to say welcome those of you that are new. Uh, So glad that you decided to be with us today. Um, See a lot of new faces. It's spring training season. I think the uh, Diamondbacks are playing the Texas Rangers today. There you go. And uh, we're excited about that. But hey, we're in a resource initiative of 40 days of service. So I want to show you a a video um, about one of the the largest buildings on our campus. And uh, we're real excited about this opportunity. As you drove in, you probably saw that building right there. That's actually the largest building on our campus. It's the last building on our campus that we need to renovate. And uh, it would honestly be, if we could renovate this thing, is that it would be the most um, active and most used building on our campus. Right now we have junior high and high school students that meet outside. This would be a, a great place for them. There's more space than this right here. It would also be the home of um, growth track or neighborhood groups and all that. So step one is just clean everything out, do some spring cleaning. Uh, Step two would be demoing all the walls and and just to begin to uh, break all those down. And a lot of that work's already been done. And uh, I'm excited to share with you each week, but we need to renovate this building to give room for our growing church. Um, that's going to be a place where I believe junior high and high school students will make a decision for Jesus Christ and go out into the world and be a light to the world. It's going to be a place where we equip and encourage believers to live out their faith. And so I'm asking you, would you just pray about uh, all the different opportunities that are before us in the next 40 days? Um, As well, during this resource initiative, we also have a massive service side that's going on right now. And to acknowledge some of the, one of the uh, really unique, timely opportunities to serve, we have a group of about 50 individuals that are going down to Mexico this week, and they're going to build a house for an impoverished family. And I I wanted to show you a picture of them this morning and and introduce them to you at least, but I'll have to do that in 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 a couple of weeks. Um, but this morning, what I wanted to do is to acknowledge all those that are going down to build a house. We're going to build a house from start to finish and allow this family to move out of the slums and move into a better place to provide shelter and care and long-term care and developmental uh, uh, kind of equipping and encouraging them to get out of poverty. And so I'm going to acknowledge all the missionaries that are going. Would you please stand up? We did this in the first service. Please stand up. Those of you that are going on the Mexico mission trip. Yeah. So I'm excited. Let's do this. You guys stay standing. If you haven't stand, there you go. If, if your whole families, I know we've got whole families going. We have over 50 people that are going. And so I'm just going to ask you as a church, will you pray with me for these families that are going down on this mission trip? Heavenly Father, we know that you care far more about people than we ever could. And we thank you for the works of service that are about to happen. We thank you for the family that we are going to be able to serve, no strings attached. We pray for great work ahead of us, Lord. Lord, I know that it seems like we're just going and building a home, but more than anything, we're reflecting the love of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for these ambassadors that are going on behalf of the church and on behalf of you 
Jesus, our high king of heaven. And we pray that this would be just the ripple effect, the very beginning of large numbers of families and individuals going out, not only into our community, but our state and into our world to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for these families and pray for their protection and their great blessing on it. Thank you for all the families that have given towards our hope offering to make this even exponentially a greater impact and to giving and serving in this church to make this mission possible. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let's celebrate them one more time. So while I'm gone, Pastor Bob's going to come and preach uh, about the importance of reaching out to our family and friends in need um, next weekend. And I'll be in Mexico. And that Sunday, we'll be having a little church service in that house. We're building a communion table. We're going to hold the very first communion in that home next Sunday morning in Mexico. And so what I want to do is I've actually... um, because you guys have been generous, we're able to commission a videographer and we're going to make a documentary. And uh, we want to make a documentary for all of you that could not go, that might go and watch it with your friends and family and say, this is what it would look like. So I've never made a documentary, so we're going to try it and see what happens. You might say, don't ever do that again, Ryan. We saw your face too much. Um, but um, you might as well grab one all right in front of you on your bench or your uh, seat right there. You've got a little bookmark that we made, and it's 40 days of service. If you guys, if whoever's sitting in front of those seats, pull those out and pass them out. And then um, I want to encourage you to just look through the service projects. If you'd like to serve in one of these service projects over the next 40 days, from a car wash to helping families in need with food, with a food drive, to welcoming new neighbors. We have a gift bags back there if you want to pick one up and take it to a new neighbor. If you want to um, find out more about the mission trip or just give financially towards that, you could do that. Prison fellowship, we've got all sorts of opportunities for foster and adoption, cares team uh, projects helping neighbors in need, especially widows and single moms, and a community-wide Easter egg event to reach out to our neighbors. And uh, so all that's going to be happening over the next 40 days. I want to encourage you to uh, check that out. And on the back is the, is the resource initiative. And it talks about the importance of prayer. And so I'm going to ask that you would just take one of these bookmarks. If you didn't get one in your seat, you can go back to the connection corner after the service, pick one up, and start praying with us as a church about God continuing uh, to use us to provide the resources to expand his name and fame and to continue to serve like Jesus. So let me pray for us, and we're going to get started in today's message. Heavenly Father, this is your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We pray that our lives would reflect it. We pray that we would reflect you. We thank you for North Valley. We pray that North Valley would penetrate and in, in powerfully shine not only through this north end of the Phoenix Valley, but God, throughout the state, throughout our city, throughout our world, because Lord, you you take your people and you move them along a journey. And as they go out into the world, they are to be a light unto the world. And so God, I pray for protection. I pray for blessing. Pray for your work to be done in and through their lives, in their vocations, in their ministries, in their organizations that they serve that everybody might see how you've been working in their life in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so here's what we're doing. I want to talk to you about when Jesus' most powerful statement, when he said, you're the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be. 
But I want to talk to you about light, help you understand light. Light is the natural agent that stimulates sight. It's a natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. When I'm in the dark, I need a light. When my dog barks at night and I get up in the house, I need a light. When I tuck in my little daughter, she wants a nightlight. When you're afraid and you can't see what's going on and you're in the dark, you want a light. God uses light. It's a very powerful metaphor we're going to see in the scriptures. What does light do? Light attracts. Light creates warmth. Light heals. It reveals and it repels. Jesus said that we were light. He said that we are the light of the world. We're going to find out. Light ought to attract people. As you live your Christian life and you go into your vocation, the area that you work, and you do the work of the Father, you live a Christian life that's very attractive. If you're a godly man, you will attract, and you're single, you will attract a godly girl. If you're a godly girl and you want to live for Jesus Christ and you're single, you will attract a godly man. And, and you have to understand, God's called you to be a light in your family, in your friend circle, in your workspace. So everything we do needs to be reflecting who Jesus is. Many people will not meet Jesus because Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving and greater works are going to happen, but you are going to be the light of the world. The only Jesus people are probably going to see is you. Jesus is Jesus, and all we do is we reflect Jesus. And that's a very attractive reality. It's very interesting to me that the most uh, ev uh, growing dynamic churches in North America are conservative evangelical churches that believe that the Bible really is the authority of Scripture, that we really should live under the Word of God and not above it. So it is interesting to me, people always say to me, oh, and all this crazy growing, you know, um, anti-Christian culture, Ryan, the church is going to shrink. I'm like, no, it won't. It'll just grow. Because when you live a life for God and you, are, uh, you will be attractive, it brings warmth, it brings healing. Jesus used this metaphor that we're the light of the world and light can also bring healing. So how many of you guys are from the Midwest where it's dark, cold, and wet? Raise your hand. You're here because it has a lot of light here. Many people don't want the happy light. They want the Phoenix sunshine. And so it brings, uh, research says that if we get out into the sun about three times a week, about 20 to 30 minutes, it gives us all the vitamin D we need. Jesus wasn't ignorant when he chose this metaphor for the Christian life. It brings healing. Your light will heal people's lives. There are people around you that when you let the light of Jesus Christ shine, you're going to help heal them. And that is an important reality for us to understand. But light also reveals. When you're being a strong Christian, living and loving Jesus and living for him, people will be a, a little exposed. I remember when I was not a Christian and I hung out with my Christian friends, I wanted to get away from them because I felt exposed. My actions, my attitude, my behavior was totally contrary to them. And light also repels. If you're living as a Christian, you will, people will be running from you at times. Oh no, here comes the Bible thumper. Oh no, here comes the holier than thou, the holy roller. And so what we need to understand as we dive into this, 
is that light is a perfect metaphor for the Christian life. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16. Jesus said, you are light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The first question I want us to ask is what does it mean to be light of the world? Number one, I believe it means that we are to live a morally and spiritually holy life. I believe when Jesus chose the metaphor to be light, that means that we were to be an example, that our lives were to be attractive, that we are to live in a way that's contrary to the world around us. The Bible tells us that Jesus said he was the light of the world, but yet here he tells us that we are light of the world. Both are true. But you have to understand when Jesus left, he says, I'm leaving, but you will have a helper that will be help you to do greater works than even I. And so the reality is for you and me, we are the light of the world. Jesus is the hope for the world. You are the light. The challenge is, is that if you and I do not, if we live a life that is immoral and spiritually unholy, then it's a very poor reflection of who Jesus is. Many times people need to see to believe. You are perhaps the only evidence to somebody who is separated from the love of God and a life with God. You are perhaps the only Jesus they may see. And so therefore, your life truly matters. Your ethics, your values, your behavior does matter. You are evidence to what you believe. I like to say it like this. Your beliefs will determine your behavior. Whatever you believe will determine how you behave. Jesus called us the light of the world, and we can't do it alone. I love the analogy that he uses, the metaphor. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. The church is not only a light that is like a lamp. The church is also a city. We are North Valley a community within a community. We have to understand our identity as Christian is not individualistic. That is a very much an American mindset, uh, cultural uh, perception that we have on our own selves. The Christian identity is a corporate experience. When he says a city that would represent hundreds, maybe thousands of people living in a community where they light their lights and then from miles away, you could see that there's a city on the hill. The church is that city. We are a community of believers in the North Valley community, in your neighborhood community, in your business community, in your whatever community. You are a Christian community in a community. And here's the radical reality. We are a community in a community for the community. North Valley Community Church is our name. It is our middle name. And so we have to realize that we're here on purpose and God wants us to share and to show the love of Christ in the community. And we can't live the Christian life alone. Morally, you know that you need help to live out the Christian life. Spiritually, you need help to live out the Christian life. 
The Apostle Paul says it like this to help us understand the spiritual metaphor. He helps us to understand that before Jesus Christ, we were all in darkness. Look what it says in Ephesians 5, 8 through 9. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So before you knew Jesus Christ, you were in the dark. For everybody that has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord, they are lost. They are in darkness. If you are that today, maybe this is God's light shining into your life and saying, there's a better way. I am the Lord. You need to come to me, walk out of that darkness and trust me. But look what he exhorts the apostle Paul says, walk as children of light. What I like about what the Apostle Paul does is he meets us where we're at, and what he's saying is you don't have to run as a man or as a woman, but you just need to walk as a child. So for you and me, I think we can do that. And then what does it mean to be light? It absolutely means this idea of moral and spiritually holiness. Verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Let me ask you a question. What's in the dark in your life right now? Is there an addiction? Is there a lifestyle? Is there a relationship that some, you're keeping in the dark? And what God wants to do is he wants to reveal that and then he wants to heal that. He wants you not to live in darkness because when you live in darkness and you live in shame, when you live in secrecy, there's no honor there. But when you live as a city on a hill, you're with a community of believers and say, no, no, we will shine because that's our God-given design. See, God's always designed believers to shine. What does it mean to be light of the world? It means absolutely that we must take moral and spiritual holiness as a serious challenge and command to live a life that reflects the great Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul continues and he says, and, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Sometimes in my life, I, I don't know what God wants me to do. The Bible doesn't tell me everything, all the little details. When I was single, I didn't know, Lord, do I marry Leslie or do I try to go back and be with this other girl? I need help. Well, the Apostle Paul says, just try to discern. Whatever's going to be most pleasing to the Lord, that's our attitude. That's our posture. That's how we live. What are the decisions that we need to make in the workplace? Is this going to bring honor to the Lord? Will it please the Lord? The Apostle Paul also said in Colossians, he says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as for what? Working for the Lord. So for you and me, we have to go, Does this, will this please my Father? Will this please my Heavenly Father? And then the Apostle Paul continues, verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Those works of darkness are actually gossip and slander in the context. Gossip's also often done in secrecy and quiet. Slander is hurtful and painful. And what the Apostle Paul is to say, take no part in that. Unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. If you want to know how to live a, a godly life, my encouragement for practical wisdom is take a proverb every single day, one chapter. It's all about principles of understanding how to live and navigate in the world. The Apostle Paul continues, verse 12. He says, for it is, it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. 
Continuing on in verse 14, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, and he was referring to a combination of scriptures. He says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. My exhortation to you, church, family, and friends, is that it's time to rise and shine. We need to reject any kind of form of apathy in our Christian life. My concern is, is that the older you get in the Christian life, the more callous the heart can become, the more old our faith gets. Things that stirred our heart for God and stirred our heart for good works don't anymore. I believe that if we serve like Jesus, then that will awaken, that will spark something new to revive, to heal, to restore, to renew us in our faith. That's why we're concentrating on this 40 days of Jesus, serving like Jesus. So let me continue on in the passage and we'll continue to work through it. The second thing I want to challenge you to rise and to shine is to help reveal God's will to lost people. I think Jesus absolutely intended when he that we would, all believers, for all times and all generations, understand that our identity as light implies that we will reveal who God is, what he wants to lost people. The Bible describes anybody that is not a believer in Jesus Christ as lost. And you and me become guides. We become examples. We become individuals that can shine and to share and to show the love of Christ. Here's what it says in Matthew 5.15. Jesus, again, had already said that we're the light of the world, but then he gives some practical wisdom. He says, nor do people light a lamp and to put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In essence, what Jesus is saying is, Our faith should never be concealed, but it must always be revealed. If we are the light of the world, then why would we conceal our faith? The answer is easy for you and me, because we're ashamed, we're afraid. We don't know if we'll be rejected. The reality is for many of us in our faith is we're afraid that people will reject us. There's way too many people pleasers in this room today, and I am the biggest one at times. The reality is, is we've got to learn how to live before an audience of one. We have to realize that our purpose and our calling in the workplace that we have, in the family that we have, the friends that we have, God has intended for you. He has designed you to shine. You can't conceal it. You must reveal it. It's interesting to me, 87% of the Phoenix Valley is without a church home. 87% of the Phoenix Valley is in the dark. And the reality is, is we go, wow, that's amazing. That's a lot of people. Yes, it is. But did you know that 90% of all unchurched people are open to having spiritual conversations? In essence, what I'm telling you, research shows that the door is open for you to talk about your faith. That you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be so concerned if you're going to be rejected. But the sad reality, too, is that 96% of Christians do not share their faith. That's the vast majority. Jesus is our example. He's always our example. 
For the Son of Man, according to Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man, Jesus says, came to seek and to save the lost. You and I have a great example in Jesus. Yes, he died, uh, he died on behalf of our sins, but he also serves as a great example for you and me. Jesus described people that were living in darkness like this. Matthew 9.36 tells us that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 87% of the Phoenix Valley are like sheep without a shepherd. And did you know that you as a Christian are a shepherd? You're the little shepherd under the great reign of the big shepherd. You're a guide. You're somebody to come along, a family member, a friend, and say, can I just speak into your life for a moment? As soon as you say that, and they say yes, you have the right. You can't push anything down anybody's uh, throat. You, you can't do that, but I'm telling you that the vast majority of people are searching, looking, asking questions. And if you would live your faith as Jesus declared as being light of the world, I think we'd have a more powerful impact. I think we would experience something that we've never seen before. And so Jesus says that these crowds are like sheep without a shepherd and they're looking for guidance. And then he said to his disciples in verse 37 that the harvest is plentiful, meaning there's, there's massive amounts of people that need our help. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. My prayer is for you, is that you wouldn't just check a box on the service project and go out and serve like Jesus. I pray that might be a catalyst for you to adopt a lifestyle of service. Right between the services, I had a young college student I met with, and I said to her, I said, hey, you're studying to be a nurse. And she said, yes. And I said, how are you going to apply this message? And she said to me, I feel ashamed because I, I'm studying so much right now. I don't have a lot of time to serve a whole lot, but I want to serve more. And I paused her for a moment, and I said, I do want you to hear something. Billy Graham once said that one of his greatest regrets in life was not giving more time towards education because there's always time for ministry. I said, what if you took your education as a nurse as a holy, sacred task before the Lord and say, I'm going to dedicate this, my mind, to glorify you and I'm going to study so that I can serve like Jesus throughout any of the, my community, through my state, through my world. I'm praying for North Valley like this. Doctors, lawyers, uh, IT specialists, um, people in the cosmetic industry, people uh, that can help with maybe dental work or medical professions, that we can begin to figure out and how to position ourselves to be a blessing to people that are in great need. That we can do things, there's there's opportunities that are coming ahead that I want to share about in the coming days for us as a church to mobilize and give more time for, for those kind of projects. I told that young lady, I said, look, maybe right now you just need to pray and ask the Lord for discernment. So instead of getting an A plus on that test, maybe you say, okay, Lord, I've done everything I could do. Now I'm going to go and help my friend over here. 
you guys are going to have to pray and ask the Lord for discernment. But we're going to pray that God would continue to use our church to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. I gave you the prayer guide. I want you to start praying for those service projects. I want you to start praying for those resource initiatives. The Apostle Paul said it like this, that our posture should always accommodate to help people that are lost. 1 Corinthians 9.22, the Apostle Paul had this mindset that he would just adjust and make the changes necessary in order to reach lost people. He says, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. God just may use you to save somebody's life. You can always understand this. The reality is in reaching out and helping reveal God's will to lost people is that we will never change our message, but we must constantly think and consider our methods. The message never changes, ladies and gentlemen, but the message, the message never changes, but the methods ought to. How you approach somebody uh, in one community versus another ought to be determined with contextualization and understanding the people that you're working with. Number three, what does it mean to rise and shine? What does it mean to do good works? This is perhaps one of the most jarring realities that I've discovered this week is it means that we must participate and contribute in social justice causes. At the very announcement that Jesus Christ was the Messiah in the synagogue, he unrolled the scrolls and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the what? The poor. The very identity of Jesus, all the fulfillment of scriptures is that he's serving those that are socially powerless. The call for the nation of Israel, the call for the church is always to help people that are in desperate need. When Jesus said this, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It must absolutely include caring for the poor and the needy. What does, does your giving reflect caring for poor and needy? Your giving of your time, the giving of your talent, the giving of your resources. We all must contribute and participate in social justice causes. The world will judge Jesus, unfortunately, most often by how the church is living. Isaiah said this to the nation of Israel, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, that is to the orphans, plead the widow's cause, that is elderly women who have lost their husbands, Ladies and gentlemen, if God's blessed us with financial resources or strong families, then we are to be a blessing as much as we can possible. We're constantly to receive everything that we've received as an opportunity to share with other people. And I, I love that we're, 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 we're moving down and we're take, going down to Mexico because I think that's really going to help shape our 85085 and 85086 kids that we live in a very uh, 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 strong, financially robust community. But I would argue from a biblical perspective that God has given that blessing to the church and our families so that we can be a blessing. 
And so here we see in scripture, the prophet Micah says this, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. At the end of the day, we've got to walk in humility. We've got to say more of you, Lord, and less of me. James, the brother of Jesus, said this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In essence, what the Lord's brother is telling us is that we've got to constantly work to help the socially powerless people in our society. James continues and he argues that you're not even Christian if you're not doing good works towards social justice. Martin Luther, the church reformer, hated this passage. He didn't understand it and he he thought it shouldn't even be in the Bible. But it is scripture and it is the Lord's brother who spent a lot of time with Jesus. He was there perhaps in the synagogue when Jesus said that he'd been anointed to proclaim good news towards the poor. James says this, he sees the social injustices in his church in his day, and he says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? In essence, what he's implying is it's no good. Your faith is no good if you're not doing any good work because it means that it's not a real faith. He continues, he says, can that faith save him? The implied answer is no, it cannot because it's not a real faith. Jesus said you can judge a tree by the fruit that it bears. And then continue on in verse 15, James says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, hey, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? The answer is, it's no good. It doesn't, it's not real. James finishes it off, verse 17, so also by faith, If it does not have works, it's dead. Our faith should be demonstrated with works. Faith that's not accompanied by action is useless, it's dead, and it's unable to save any person. So you say to me, those of you that come out of conservative evangelical backgrounds, wait a second, what about the gospel of grace? Let's get to that. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved. The same reformer that critiqued James had a reformation, created a reformation. I'm glad he did. And he preached sola gratia. It is by grace alone. You and I are saved by God's grace alone. And then he says, you have been, for by grace you have been saved through faith alone. And This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Here's the point. You might want to write this down. We are not saved by good works. Okay? Remember that, especially my Catholic friends. You're not saved by good works. But now let me speak to all my Catholic friends and family. But you are saved for good works. Let me speak to all of you that, that, that maybe have no clue what I'm talking about. Let's look at the scripture. The Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul says, for we are his workmanship, carrying on in that same verse, created in Christ Jesus for what? So here's in essence what I'm saying. 
You were designed to shine. You were made before the foundations of the earth. God saved you for good works as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a teacher, as a physical therapist, as a parent, as a mother, as a father, as an IT director in the technology field, as a chaplain, as a nurse, whatever be your vocation, God saved you so that in your sphere of influence, you might demonstrate the good works of Jesus Christ, reflecting that into the world around you. You are a light. You are that city on a hill. You cannot do it alone. You need a church family to help you live a morally and upright, spiritually strong life. You need a church family. You need a preacher to tell you that you should not conceal your faith, but you must reveal your faith. You need somebody in your life. You need the church. You need Jesus so that you can understand the example and that he's paid it all and you're not working for your salvation, but you're working from your salvation. You're not work being saved because you did the good works. You're being saved for the good works. Amen? And it tells us which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So all I'm asking you to do is take a step. Just walk. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gospel of grace. Thank you, Lord, that you did all the great work for us, that we are saved by grace alone. So for all those here today that say, I don't know, my life really doesn't reflect any kind of good works at all right now. Maybe I am not a born-again Christian. Today be the day that they say something simply like this. Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I acknowledge my sin and my separation from you. I believe in your, you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I confess you as my Lord, my King. And I pray that you begin to do great works in and through me. And for all of our church, Lord, might we take a bold step to just take a step to start walking into greater works. Not so that we can somehow just secure our salvation. No, Lord but that we can show our salvation. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus to do your work through this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.